Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Multi-Site Masters podcast. This is the podcast series that explores the art of leading and growing multi-site businesses, especially in the hospitality and retail sectors. So my name is Lee Sheldon and I'll be your host for today's episode. I'm also co-founder of the MMU Training and Development Consultancy, in which we're dedicated to helping managers achieve consistent operational excellence, leading to sustained superior performance. So welcome back to another episode of the Multi-Site Masters podcast. And today we're talking communication. Now you might say, well, don't we talk about communication all of the time because that's obviously what we're doing. And yes, of course, we're always talking, but are we talking effectively? Are we actually inspiring? Are we actually being clear with the communication that we make and that we receive? Um, My guest today may disagree with me in a moment, but I have to say I've yet to find a company, and maybe she has, where somebody says to me, you know what, lady, communication in our company is so good. It's spot on. We don't need any more. By the way, I'm not talking about email. I think plenty of people would say they get enough email. But actually, good quality communication, that's a different story. So that's why today's episode is devoted to good quality, effective communication. And I'm delighted to be joined by Jenny Field. Now, Jenny is the founder and director of a company called Redefining Communication. Welcome to the Multi-Site Masters podcast, Jenny. Thank you, Lee. Lovely to be here. So I think it would be sensible to start with a little bit of background on yourself. Tell us who you are, what you've done, and how you've got to the journey of redefining communication. Uh, Great. So I have been working in communications for over 13 years. Uh, I started in the public sector, um, and then I specialised in media relations and PR. Uh, After that, I did a little stint with agency doing some work on uh, business development and marketing, but, but that was specifically for an internal communications agency. And that, for me, was where I really learned about internal communications uh, and the power of, of inspiring and engaging a workforce to, to turn the business around, essentially. Um, it, was, it was a great time in agency, but uh, the calling of in-house was too strong. Hmm. And, uh, and I then embarked on a six-year career with a company called SSP, uh, where I was the internal comms manager for them, uh, looking after the communications for 10,000 people across the UK. Uh, 8,000 of those 10,000 people were selling coffee and, and baguettes in, in train stations um, and airports. Uh, and that was where, for me, I probably did some of my best internal comms work. And I stayed with them for six years. I became the global head of comms. Um, I then left them and went into the world of pharmaceuticals and was the communications director for a company called Perigo in the UK and Ireland, helping them set up effectively a new division in the UK and Ireland where they'd acquired a business called Amiga Pharma. Um, and after being with them for a year, setting up the function, I decided it was time to go it alone and uh, Redefining Communications was born. Fantastic. Now, I recently reacquainted myself with the Simon Sinek book, Start With Why. So, and I think it's an incredibly powerful thing to understand why you're doing something. So what was it about your why that created ultimately Redefining Comms Communication? Um, I think for me, my why is, is, is it's probably a little bit complicated, but... I I really believe that good internal communications can fundamentally change how an organisation works. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I really want to help leaders in organisations understand how internal communications can do that, that it's not just editing a a PowerPoint presentation or writing an internal announcement. So there's one part of my why is I really want to help leaders understand how to be good communicators and how it can affect their business. But I also want to inspire communicators to have 
conversations they might not be having and inspire them to be the best they can be at their job as head of internal comms, head of comms, whatever they're doing. I wish our listeners could see the passion at which you you say that, Jenny. It's uh, very evident that it's very genuine for you. I mean, the context, I suppose, for our podcast is we've got listeners who are multi-site managers in different organisations, completely different sectors listening to this. And we'll also have people who are owner-operators or working in large organisations in perhaps marketing, maybe even in internal comms. Maybe we could start with sort of the organisational perspective. Mm-hmm. What in, if there's a nutshell, you can put it in, what in a nutshell is the role on an internal comms department? Um, so for me, the, the joy of internal comms is that it's so broad um, and trying to define it is incredibly difficult. Some research that I led last year with the Chartered Institute of Public Relations just demonstrated the difference in definitions between what a CEO might think and what an internal comms team mm-hmm. might think. For me... Um, And the definition that I use is that internal communication is really everything that gets said and shared inside an organisation. But as a function, its role is to curate, enable and advise on on the best practice for organisations to communicate effectively, efficiently and in an engaging way. Um, And for me, it's important to separate that difference between what the function does Mm. in internal communication and what's good management as internal communication. And do you find that you mentioned something earlier that uh, maybe some people think good comms is making sure your PowerPoint slides are uh, tidy or spelt correctly or uh, not not too many of them. Clearly, it's, it's much more than that. How do you get over that, perhaps, that mentality where people think that's what it's about? You know, can you just check my slides? Can you just check my memo that I want to send out? So in, in every role I've had, I've always checked slides and sent out memos. That hasn't ever stopped. Even as comms director, I was doing those things. But I'm doing them in a capacity where I'm advising the person that is asking because I want to enable them to be able to do that. So I've got no problem helping somebody shape a message, make sure that they're cutting through the noise, that that message is being delivered in the right way to the right people at the right time. But I want to help them understand how to do that so they can do it themselves. Mm -hmm. And that really should be my job is to advise them as to how to do that properly. You've... Obviously, in your career history, you told us about the organisations you work with, particularly the large organisations operating at scale. SSP was one that you referred to. Do you think there is a fundamental difference between an organisation where you have a geographic spread of locations, you've got geographic spread of, of your employees, uh, and a smaller organisation where you just, you're just you all in one building? Is there a fundamental communication challenge? Uh, there are different challenges. So... Having worked in SSP where I'm trying to communicate to 8,000 people that have no email address, working shifts, no phone on them, you know, that, mm. that's a real challenge. I would love to work somewhere where I had 200 people in an office <laughs> who have access to a computer all the time because it, it is easier. Um, that said, it, sometimes it's taken for granted in those environments. So some of my clients I work with are SMEs. There might be 30 of them in one building. And internal communications might not be any better there because you just assume that everybody knows what's going on because you might overhear something. So you don't necessarily have the structure and the rigour that you'd have in larger organisations where you'd have an internal communications function Mm. that would have governance, uh, a strategy, a channel matrix and all those things in place. So the challenges are different, um, but certainly still there in both for me. I'm a, a listener of a podcast by a guy called Donald Miller, and he starts every podcast with this catchphrase, which is, if you confuse, you lose. Now, he was coming at it, or I think he's coming at it from a, a marketing perspective to your external audience, but equally that applies internally, I imagine. Do you think that that is pe- 
is people spend a lot of time on the external messaging. Are people beginning to realize they need to spend as much time or maybe more time on the internal messaging? Are they confusing their own people? Yeah, I definitely think we are. I think things like social media have certainly made people realise how quickly news can travel. You know, the conversation that used to be Mm. in the pub with friends is now on Twitter or on Facebook. So those conversations travel a lot further. Plus things like Glassdoor that we've seen um, rise up over the last few years, that certainly started to to give leaders calls for concern about their reputation. Um, And I often talk about the fact that your reputation really, you know, what goes on on the inside shows up on the outside, you know, (laughs) which is a nice phrase I heard last year. And I think it's so very true that everything now is is external to a degree. Mm. It comes back to the culture, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And, And you can't, you know, years ago, I used to do projects around your employee value proposition and we'd work with recruitment and we'd look at the employee journey and that would be completely separate to the marketing function. Um, who were looking at the brand and what the brand stood for. And I think Mm. over the years, that's completely changed. And it has to be the same because as an employee, if I go and work somewhere that externally looks amazing and it's not amazing when I get through the door, then that will soon be heard outside. I was speaking to someone uh, last week and explaining that I was going to be doing this podcast with you about enhancing an individual and organisational communication and someone said oh that's interesting um is that going to be about employee engagement surveys and I I have to say I slightly groaned and I thought about another of our contributors Jane Sumley who I know would be groaning at that comment but I I imagine maybe you hear that too can you run me an engagement survey isn't that internal comms do you still get that yeah and 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 to some degree, you know, employee engagement and internal communications work very closely together. They are not the same. So my job in internal communications is not solely about engaging employees. It hasn't been when I was working in-house. My role was about driving efficiencies through the organisation, through a digital platform around the globe. That's not really about engaging people. That's about saving money and, and being more efficient. Mm. We obviously did it in an engaging way, but um, it was a different focus If I'm looking at doing an employee engagement survey, quite often that's led by HR who are looking to understand um, what triggers there might be that might be causing effects on retention, attrition, all those sort of stats. My job in internal comms is to help them get the engagement of the workforce to complete that survey, why they need to complete it and help work together really to create a much better overall employee experience. And, And this is a new phrase we're hearing this year. And that for me is something that brings internal comms and employee engagement together. The survey, absolutely, you know, internal comms would be part of the mix of people involved in putting that together and more than likely involved in fixing some of the challenges because quite often a, a challenge that we're having is that the communication isn't quite right and that needs to be fixed. So this phrase you just referred to, the employee experience, you're saying that's something new in your sphere that you're hearing people talk about. Let's say I'm, I'm listening to this podcast and I'm an HR director and I'm thinking, oh, well, that sounds interesting. I, I want to look at my employee experience. What do I do? So um, it, it is quite a new phrase that we have heard this year. There's been several blog posts saying that this is sort of the phrase of 2018 because we love a, a new phrase to come <laughs> in, obviously. Um, but for me, it's, it's about looking at the complete employee journey. So from that recruitment piece that we talked about earlier, right the way through to when they leave, mm-hmm. making sure that that experience is true to your purpose, your why, um, that it's true to your culture, that you're looking at every different element of that employee journey Um, And part of that will be in communication, part of that will be the engagement, um, and everybody has sort of a role to play in that experience. And 
And for me, that links back to the research that I referred to earlier, where CEOs talked about internal communication being responsible for the culture of an organisation. For me, employee experience and the culture are almost one and the same thing. So if we're starting to look at the culture of an organisation, how that works, communication has to fundamentally be part of that. But line manager training to make sure they're able to engage their teams properly with the right tools and all of those things all form part of culture and essentially employee experience. If there was one thing you think comms can do to help with that entire journey you described, and maybe it could, just for an example, looking at the letters that go out, offer letters, and changing the wording, changing the messaging, changing some of the content, is, that, is it as simple as that, or sort of one of the many elements of it, or is there something bigger, more strategic at work? So for me, it's really understanding what the business strategy is and everything for me always starts with that insight point of, you know, let me do some research, understand what the business is doing. Without that, you can't really help an organisation change what they're doing because you don't know where your starting point is. So every touch point that an employee has should reflect back to the strategy of the business, you know, why the business is doing what it's doing, what the focus is. You know, the offer letter can allude to that but it needs to be done in the tone of voice that's right for the organisation so that your offer letter isn't incredibly exciting and it's going to be amazing. Mm. And then you get in the front door and the tone of voice is very different. So yeah. it's looking at, at all of that to make sure it's all aligned, but it's aligned behind you know, the same strategy, the same vision and absolutely the same purpose. Now, you've mentioned earlier, you were talking about social media and the speed at which the news can, can travel and the distance, of course. Is the new technologies that we have at our fingertips today, uh, I sometimes think people think that is the solution in that it will, as you say, enable you to communicate very quickly with people and to a wide range, but it doesn't make your message any more inspiring or Mm -hmm. engaging. So what are, if you like, the pros and cons, do you think, of the tools that we have today? And what advice would you give to someone who's in an organisation thinking about, I need a tool that could help us to improve internal comms? So two questions that you there, sorry. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, so I think there's lots of tools out there, so many so that I think it can be slightly paralysing for people to find the right ones. Mm. Um, I've worked with a variety of different tools. I've worked with SharePoint, I've worked with IBM Connections, um, and... And I know that the ones that work better are the ones that we've really thought about what we want that tool to do. Mm. So at the moment, I'm working with some clients who have got Workplace by Facebook. Um, some love it, some don't. You know, it, it completely depends what you want and need, really, from, from a platform. Um, there's also tools like Yapster out there, which is the WhatsApp for organisations. Um, so there's lots of different tools out there. For me, it's about sitting down and saying, right, what do we actually need to do? What's the, what's the business problem we're trying to solve? It's not about, oh, there's this new thing by Facebook and we should have that. It's about there being a problem you're trying to solve. If you put something in that's not solving a problem, you're just going to create more noise and, yeah, yeah. and switch people off. Um, so, so let's understand the problem and then let's go away and find the right tool to solve that problem. And what we're seeing more of is tools being used... Um, together so more integrated platforms so quite a lot we'll see people that are using SharePoint integrated with Facebook Workplace which helps them amplify content across different platforms so for me it's about understanding the business problem you're trying to solve what's the content strategy that you've got so what's the Mm. content that you want people to read what what are you trying to get out Um, and where are those people so to give an example probably in this sector if I take working at SSP We had IBM Connections, which I still believe is the best enterprise social network platform out there. 
my managers would have disagreed. Um, but it allowed us to share files. It allowed us to have different communities and spaces for people to share news and updates, which was brilliant. It doesn't solve a business problem where managers might be trying to arrange shifts quickly with their team. And so therefore they might pick up WhatsApp because it's easy to use with their team. Everybody's got a phone. Mm. I don't really need comms to do this. I can just sort of crack on. Now that's fine. But as we start to look at things like GDPR, data protection, um, what content's being shared on that platform, I would get nervous as a comms person that I'm not providing the right tools at a local level. So that's where I would go somewhere like Yapster. But it's having those conversations with your managers to find out actually what are their communication needs locally because they will differ from your communication sort of needs as a function as head office in the wider business. Yeah, and I've seen Yapster as well, and I think it's, it's a great tool to give you the, the benefits of WhatsApp for that instant mm. uh, messaging and communication, but also the security that I think, as you say, partly from a legal point of view, but just yeah. from a, um, a desire to keep stuff within house. It sounds to me that certainly any of these tools, it's very easy to get seduced by the latest bells and whistles. Um, I often talk about time management tools. There's loads of different productivity apps and software, and I call it productivity porn. Mm. And you can get very easily seduced by the latest app to plan your uh, your, your month or your week. Um, from a learning management system point of view, we had a, a conference, uh, sorry, a, a podcast even a few weeks ago about that. And one of the key messages I took away was the idea of one-way traffic is no way anymore. You've mm-hmm. got to be two-way. You've got to have the ability to upload ideas, content, mm-hmm. video clips, pictures, whatever it may be. Um, would you say that that kind of approach, if, from a learning perspective, and again, the tools you're talking about, do you think they're beginning to merge? Yeah, I think so. But I think it, it's also... To your point about, you know, not getting sucked into the shiny new thing, it's about the culture of the organisation and where they are today. So often I hear, you know, examples from some companies using things like Workplace and culturally I'm, you know, I might be working somewhere where that's just not going to happen. There's no way I'm going to put Workplace in. There's no way I'm going to put Yammer in. You know, actually we're still using a printed newsletter. Um, and, And you can't go from, you know, the printed newsletter immediately to being able to do the videos and sharing and things. So I think you have to culturally have the right tools that fit. Um, And I think you have to look at what tools you've got. So to your point of the learning management systems and the comms platforms, years ago, we were talking about how you would drive traffic between those and how you bring that together. And that for me comes back to that employee experience. So if I join the business and I need to do a health and safety, you know, pre-health and safety training before I join, what's the platform I do that on? Then when I join, do I then go to a different platform or is it all part of one kind of comms platform and mm. I can jump off to different things from there and it's all on my mobile and I can comment and I can upload my own things and we can do things all together. It's, it's looking at that sort of integrated journey, if you like. Yeah, again, from a learning perspective, I think the the seamless aspects of it, what you don't want is to have multiple different sign-ins, mm. different passwords, all of that stuff. So trying to make that as painless as possible. From a business point of view, you want your customers to better do business with you as seamlessly, as, as frictionlessly as possible. It's the same thing here, I guess. A- absolutely. And one of the one of the big visions that we had at, at SSP, and we worked completely, comms and IT worked completely together, was around having this sort of portal page where people would have a completely personalised homepage that would show them, you know, where their career was, uh, if they were sort of a team member, and it would show them what they'd need to do on the um, learning academy to step up and be ready for a promotion, so that it would be integrated with that and they could sort of track their progress. And at the same time, they might have 
their latest news from the centre, their latest brand news, you know, their local shift updates, so that it would be their sort of completely personalised homepage. We didn't quite get there when I was there. I don't think they're quite there now. And certainly when we talk about personalisation in internal comms, it's nowhere near as sophisticated as it is in the external comms side of things. Okay. You've used words when you were talking about what a comms department should be. You talked about enabling, you talked about um, advising and curating. If I'm in an organisation today and I'm listening to this and I don't have a comms department and I brought an organisation such as Redefining Communications in, what would you do to help me, if you like, audit how we do comms in our business? So I always start with um, the insight piece, which I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. So the first thing for me, and, and I've used this approach when I've been in-house, I've set up four comms functions and they always go through the same process. So okay. it's about doing the research. So it's about doing a bit of a channel audit. You know, what channels have you got? There might be channels that are being used that you don't even know you have, um, that people are using and sharing. So what's what what channels are there? What's the content on those channels? Um, what do people want to know? What do people need to know to do their job? And then what do they want to know? It's quite important to separate those two out. Mm-hmm. But essentially, we would look um, at all elements of the organisation. So internally and externally, what's the perception? Then we'd look at the sort of business intelligence. So we're looking at the business process. What does the organisation do? How does it do that? What's the IT infrastructure? Um, is it a matrixed organisation? Is it a global business? Is it different in different places? Um, And then we would create both functional objectives if you had a function that you wanted to set up. And if you didn't, it's about creating a communication strategy aligned to your business plan. So it's understanding that business intelligence to create objectives from a comms perspective that align to that. And from all of that, you can then create a channel matrix. So you'd look at this is the channel, this is the frequency, this is the content, this is the audience. And then we'd look at the information that needs to go into all of those and and create a strategy around the content. And then we would measure all of those bits and pieces against the um, business objectives. So for me, the the measurement is always coming back to what's the business trying to achieve. If it's a behaviour change, is it informing something? It's measuring against those things, not necessarily whether or not somebody has received some information. And just so I'm quite clear, when you say things like channel... Channel would be like an app like Yaps that we've spoken about. Um, would printed communication in, in, in its entirety be at class as a channel or would the company newsletter be a channel or the, the weekly um, update email be a different channel? So yeah. Do you break it down to that kind of granular detail? It depends what you've got. So I, when I had my channel matrix, I had uh, our printed magazine, which was, called, which was every other month. Mm-hmm. Um, I had monthly huddles that would happen in, in the office. I would have um, a weekly newsletter, it might be an e-newsletter that would go out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would also have a, an annual conference and sort of quarterly town hall. So it depends what, you've, what you're looking after as a function um, as to how you break that down sort of granularly. If you were a manager running your, uh, your, running your unit or running multiple different units, you might have a newsletter that you go out and put up onto different notice boards. As a function, I wouldn't have that in my channel matrix because that's Mm -hmm. yours. But as a manager, there's nothing to stop you from looking at what are the different channels that I use to engage my team. So do I have a a huddle or a shift briefing? Do I have a weekly regional meeting or a monthly regional meeting? Do I do a newsletter? You know, what are the different touch points, essentially? Okay. Let's turn this now to almost the individual perspective and thinking about a multi-unit manager listening to this podcast. They may have 10, 12 restaurants, stores, pubs, whatever it may be. 
And they don't have a big organization behind them necessarily, or even if they do, they don't have platforms, they don't have an internal comms department. I'm just an area manager and I want to improve how I communicate to my locations, which are geographically dispersed. What could I do? How could you help me? Uh, so I'd want to understand specifically what you want to improve mm. so, and, and why you want to improve it. So is it just that you have had feedback that people feel a bit disconnected? Mm-hmm. Um, is it that people want to share more across the different restaurants to learn from each other? Um, is it that they feel disconnected to you as a leader? Mm. So there's lots of different things that could be at play as to why people might feel like the communication isn't very good. It's very important to understand what they mean when they say, I want to improve the communication because it can be very broad. So I'd want to understand specifically what that is. And then if, for example, it was, you know, we want to be able to share ideas across the different restaurants, um, we would look at how they could do that. So realistically, could we bring them together face-to-face at any point in time and Mm -hmm. how long for? Mm -hmm. Um, Do we actually need to create a platform like, you know, WhatsApp or Yapster for the managers to have a space to talk? Um, Is it about information flowing between the uh, shift managers or the supervisors, not just the managers themselves? Is there something about menu development that the chefs want to talk about? So Mm -hmm. when we talked about that sort of matrix organisation, so I'm always looking at where does the information need to flow? So not necessarily match to the hierarchy, Mm -hmm. but who needs to talk to who to to kind of get there. So once you can understand all of that, then you find the right platform to do that. That doesn't have to be something like SharePoint, Yammer, all these sort of often quite expensive big platforms. There are lots of smaller platforms out there. One of the first internet platforms I built was a... Um, like a blog platform for less than 40 grand. It wasn't very much in comparison to what some of the bigger um, sort of licensed models are. So there's lots of ways of doing it, but it's, you know, let's understand what the communication challenges are and we can find a way to fix it. You mentioned several reasons why they might want to improve their communications. One that I think might come up, um, maybe not immediately, but I think it might be behind it, is I need greater clarity. People aren't aren't actually doing, so I ask them to do something and it gets missed in a certain number of my stores. Or they're just kind of drowning in Mm -hmm. communications. Um, What about that? How could you help me with that? So that, for me, is about being very clear about the call to action. So I hear this a lot um, Mm -hmm. from people where they say, um, you know, there's so much information that comes out. People haven't done something by you know, when we need them to do it. A lot of that for me is being clear, what is a, please could you do this if you have time Mm -hmm. and you need to do this. And I think sometimes we can be a bit uncomfortable with being quite so forceful in in something that is a, you have to do this, whether it's a legal requirement, whether it's a brand, um, you know, linked to the brand of the business. There are some things that you do have to do and you have to be very clear that you have to do them. Um, So I think being very clear about what it is that you want someone to do on the back of that communication helps. Looking at the volume of of what's coming out, so you're saying people can often be sort of drowning in the noise, then um, one of the first things I've often done is sort of turned off all the taps and been a funnel um, to allow me to see what news is happening and what news is going on so that I can either then consolidate that into a weekly update or every Friday, Monday, whatever day works. and then I can actually see what news is happening through the business. So, so creating a funnel for your teams to make sure that they're not getting overloaded is often the best thing to do. If you're the person doing the overloading, so if you're actually yeah. the person that's sending a lot of stuff to people, then just take a moment to think about whether it has to go today or whether it could actually push into a weekly newsletter. 
quite often in an operational business when I've had those conversations, people will quite quickly say, actually, yeah, this can wait till Thursday. I don't need to send it now. Mm-hmm. But quite often we've got our own agenda and I can tick that off my list that I've sent that out and I can crack on with something else. But we're not thinking, not thinking yeah. that, mm. God, that's the third one I've sent today. Or <laughs> well, they've had seven more from many other people. Exactly, yeah, absolutely. exactly. So I think being a bit of the funnel and just taking, you know, taking some time to consider the messages throughout the week would be really important. I think two things really stood out for me there. The, the, the turning off the taps as you described it and, I often thought that an internal comms department was partly a bit of a gatekeeper mm-hmm. for communication going out. But at, at the multi-unit management level, seeing yourself as that expert, as that, that, that gatekeeper. But equally, you might just be using email. You may not have any other uh, options in some mm-hmm. respects. Using the subject line in the email yeah. to be clear. So ACT might stand for action and any email that starts with that is a non-negotiable. You must yeah. do it and you put a deadline on it. Whereas, you know, FYI or whatever it may be, use other, become a, come up with a protocol, I suppose, yeah. of phrases and or identifiers that clearly you can explain to your team, when you see this, you do this. Yeah, and the key for that is explaining what those protocols mean. So yes. I have worked somewhere like that, even you know in an office environment where we would get emails that would say for action um, and different things in the subject line, which was mm. really helpful. But I've also worked places where people CC people all the time mm-hmm. um, and then people just ignore those. So I think yeah. whatever you're doing with your team, whatever you think might work, certainly the subject line one is a really nice nice one. I know mm. some people are doing colour coding as well um, mm-hmm. so that people can get to know what the different okay. colours need. Um, but I think being clear what that is, explaining it to the team, saying, look, let's give this a try for, for three months, see whether this helps, review it and then see what works, what doesn't and, and do it together. And do you find, are you working with people at a very individual level? Um, I was, I'm listening to an audio book at the moment called How to Be a Productivity Ninja. Um, Graham Alacott, I think, is the, is the author. And one of the things he talks about is literally coming and sitting at someone's desk mm. and saying, right, we're going to do an email detox. And he goes through a whole set of process. Are you working at that level individually or is it more you're presenting to organisations and leaving it at that? Um, So I have a variety of different clients. So I do some one-to-one sort of mentoring coaching with people. So quite often people will um, be going through their their comms career uh, and need a little bit of extra support in terms of how to navigate what they need to do. So I I do a little bit of that. Um, And I also talking to people, talking at conferences, talking um, in organisations, going along and talking to sort of comms teams um, where they bring their global teams together and talk about the impact and value of internal comms and what that can bring. Um, so it's a it's a huge variety really Mm. but for me it's about looking not just specifically at you know that sort of sitting there let's look at the email detox it's looking at how you operate as a manager and how I can help you be a better communicator as a manager Mm. because we know from research from a company called Gatehouse that do a a report called the state of the sector which is an internal comms research that said their 10th year this year line manager communications is still one of the biggest barriers to internal comms Yet we don't focus on supporting and training line managers to how to be better communicators. So that's something that I want to fix this year um, because I think we have a duty. I have a duty as a professional communicator to be able to help other people do this better, to make them more efficient, more effective. Mm -hmm. I know, it's what's the phrase that people think that means, media training. Yeah. Of course, (laughs) uh, or questioning skills or whatever it may be. Yeah. Jenny, I think you've uh, shown a bit of a definition of a subject matter expert on this one. Um, Thank you for your time today. I do have one last question, which regular listeners will always know I I pose. Uh, One day time travel, I think, will be possible. So let's imagine you could go back and see the younger Jenny Field. Mm -hmm. What piece of advice, one piece of advice you'd give to yourself? 
don't be afraid. Ooh. And I say that on the back of some conversations I've had this week where I talk a lot about don't be afraid to have the conversation about what do you mean by value when you're talking about internal comms? And the number of people that came up to me afterwards and said, you've really inspired me to go and have some of those scary conversations Fantastic. that I've been putting off. So the big thing for me is don't be afraid. Perfect place to end our conversation. Now, Jenny's details, contact details will be found in the show notes. Uh, Jenny also does a regular blog when we'll put the details of that on the show notes as well. Thank you again, Thank Jenny you Field. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. So again, thank you to Jenny for another interesting episode, really exploring a topic that I think we need to come back to on a more regular basis. And of course, I think for me, there was two buckets, if you like, two themes that Jenny's comments fell into. One was from an organisational level, and I suppose secondly, uh, later on in the conversation around what a multi-unit manager themselves can do to improve comms. On the organisational level, I think that point that what goes on in the inside shows up on the outside. Um, For me, very practically and it sounds like i'm jumping on a bit of a hobby horse here but how often is it that there's a new promotion a product maybe a new menu item that staff just aren't really aware of or at least have very very shallow knowledge of and there's certainly no detail behind the new offer or the new product that they're able to communicate why have they not been told that um, I think one of our other key points at that organisational level was don't rush to invest in these lovely fancy online comms platforms until you've really carefully considered what you need to do and how would a user experience it. I mean, are they going to be using PCs, their phones, tablets, etc.? And are you really creating a platform to create efficiencies, cost savings, which is there's nothing wrong with that, but just being clear, that's not the same as being effective, again, from the point of view of the person receiving the communications. This employee experience jargon that she said was was new to the, the comms world, I really doubt, or have some doubts in my own mind, is that really new? And as Jenny said, is it really just another sign of the culture of the organisation? I think from the multi-unit manager's point of view, Jenny asked some really good questions to self-reflect. You know, is it the frequency of the comms, the quality of the comms, the methods, the channels you use that you want to improve? But why do you need to improve it? What What is it? Is it feedback that you've got that you've got to improve? Or is it just that gut feeling? Um, being able and not being afraid to articulate a very clear distinction between things that are nice to know or nice to do and the must-dos, the non-negotiables, and, and not being afraid to say that, that something is non-negotiable. And I think being your own gatekeeper, uh, really, really important, understanding that you can turn off the tap sometimes and consider, do I really need to send that email or make that voicemail message? Could it be collated rather than every time I want to do it, send it out? Can it be put together into a weekly or bi-weekly comms out to the field? I suppose the best communicators understand that comms is a two-way process. Clearly, the person sending and the person receiving. And the really effective ones don't just think about what they're sending, they're really thinking about how the receiver will understand it, how they will internalise it and, as needed, take action. So thank you, Jenny. The information about Jenny can be found in the show notes should you want to contact her and her team at Redefining Communications Limited. Until next time, can I thank again our producer for the episode, Sam Walsh. And if you get a chance, please don't hesitate to leave us a quick uh, comment. Some feedback is always grateful. And of course, a review on your uh, podcast provider is very much appreciated. Until next time.